So we had a, a financial advisor come around two days uh -oh. ago to uh, look at our pension. Hmm. And? Are they supposed to cry? I don't know. <laughs> he just sort of... <laughs> yeah, that's a bad sign, Nick. It was, you know, I said... How how is it? And he just said, "Well, I'm so sorry for you." That's I mean, I think no. I think the truth is, I can retire, but not till I'm 85. <laughs> yes, like me. I blame Oasis for this. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. Yeah. So I hope you're going to be able to keep me in the manner to which I'm not accustomed when I'm old. Well, I suppose what it means is we're going to have to keep on doing this load of old nonsense for years. <laughs> the poor listeners. <laughs> Welcome everybody to uh, the, our pension plan. <laughs> <laughs> this is a rubbish pension plan. <laughs> it's, it, well, it's as good as the other one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Better, in fact. I shouldn't Yeah, it. <laughs> performing better. Um, episode 170 of the Midfaith Crisis. My name is Nick Page. There is Joe Davis. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Oh, oh, so depressing. Yeah, it's Never a shocker. Also, do you find this? This is what's upsetting me at the moment. Do you find that lots of friends, sort of our age, are going and saying, "Oh, yeah, we're thinking on retiring. We don't really need yeah. to work anymore." Yeah. <laughs> I'm really happy for you. <laughs> Anyone who's been in Christian work for any amount of time, you yes, know, you, just, you just think, "Well, I'm just going to have to go on for years." I mean, the the good thing, I suppose, is as as a writer. Yeah, you don't really work anyway. Well, I can carry on, can't I? I yeah, mean, exactly. You know, There's not heavy lifting. I did think about becoming a celebrant, actually. That seems easy work. <laughs> it's wonderfully easy, Nick. Is it? <laughs> I'll say no more than that. <laughs> How are you, anyway? I'm OK. I'm tired from all this easy work I've been doing. Yeah, you look other tired. Than that. But no, no good. I actually uh, had a lovely weekend with the kids. They came back from Bristol to stay mm -hmm. with us for the weekend and it was glorious. In fact, it was, it was a bit rowdy. I mean, they are quite a rowdy bunch. Well, I say they, Sophie in particular, my lovely daughter. So we were mm. driving down the road, just me and my lovely daughter. And uh, we saw Mike and his wife. They were walking on the road because they just popped out mm. to the shops to pick up some stuff. And so before I could stop her, my daughter just wound down the window <laughs> and in a very loud voice just shouted the word expletives <laughs> at the top of her voice <laughs> to a shocked son and yeah. his wife. That That's is lovely. very good. Yeah, I know. It was actually quite a funny moment. I said, Sophie, you shouldn't say expletives, won't you? You should call him a f <laughs> <bigger than two. laughs> Well, at laugh. least play the bongos out the window. Or something like <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but that was good. And, um, well, you know, I've just been thinking, yeah, it's September. I mean, how? How has that happened? Another year has come, another year older, another year of my life. And, you know, is there much to show for it? Don't even answer that question. All I can say is there's a weekend coming up at the end of October that will be marvellous. And I'm looking forward oh, yeah. to it greatly. And we've even started planning it. Check that we, out, we, listeners. Who knew? <laughs> we have done some planning. 
Yeah. Maybe is planning too big a word for what we did? I don't <laughs> know. Possibly. We've 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 done some thinking about it. Anyway, yes. So we're, we're looking forward to that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's autumn now. It's ridiculous. I know. People were saying, "Oh, I love autumn, and I love autumn, but I love it if I've had summer." Yes. Exactly. You know, if I haven't actually had summer, I don't love it so much. <laughs> you really. know, you don't want to skip straight to autumn without picking no, up the No, it's like <laughs> it's like the cheese course without the main course. Yeah, although although you'd quite no, it's not like, quite that. like that. No, it's not like that. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, you'd quite like that. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, um, I'm all right. I'm a bit sort of frazzled in a way. I mean, everything seems worryingly back to normal, and you know, yes, shops indeed. are full and lots happening. Uh, mm. Had a great weekend. Uh, went to Herefordshire, ah. and yeah great and stayed in the most wonderful place it's a sort of um, Edwardian showman's wagon so it's like an old fashioned fairground kind of caravan wagon it was were you amazing. meant to be staying there or did you just find him <laughs> that looks we nice. just joined the circus we just <laughs> ran away no it's amazing it was it was really beautiful and Herefordshire is I mean this was just amazing and and saw so many wonderful old churches. Oh, Did you? Joe, I cannot tell you how good they were. I've <laughs> yeah, sent they, you some pictures. You I have sent me them. some pictures. Thank you. I appreciate them. The gargoyles were interesting, to say the very least. <laughs> so, look, that's a church called Kilpeck. Uh, and uh, Kilpeck is a, a Norman church. Um, and it's got the most amazing carvings on it, of nature mm. and animals and gargles and grotesques including oh. a woman doing something very unusual to be seen on a church um, it wall. was unusual i thought uh, verging on the pornographic so well yeah. it, the, the well thing done. is there's a lot of debate about these things they're called they're known as sheila nagigs although that name was invented in the 19th century and nobody quite knows it's a load of old nonsense really nobody knows what it means a lot of people who who looked at them early on said oh, oh they're pagan they're pagan goddesses because they are mm. women uh, sort of well, they're sort of grotesques, but women obviously disporting mm. themselves in a, in mm. a well, a, a, an anatomically challenging manner, mm. and um, and but they're all found on churches, mm. so they're not pagan. They're they're somehow they're an expression of medieval Christianity, possibly a warning against lust, possibly a warning against yoga. I don't know, um, mm. you know, or possibly it, an encouragement to lust, <laughs> possibly an encouragement, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Struck me. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or possibly just the Norman church shouting expletives. I don't know, really. It could have been. (laughs) But anyway, just amazing churches. I mean, there was one called Partrishow, which is up the steepest, narrowest road I've been up, miles up the side of the Black Mountains, and just stunning. Just amazing. Do you know um, what you should do, Nick? I think Mm. you should pitch a programme to, I don't know, Channel 4 or, you know, Mm. some... Even smaller channel, perhaps, <laughs> saying I w- I would like to do a program showing people blocked up windows in churches and grotesque. Uh, is it grotesque figures? Is that what you call them? Yes, no? grotesque. Yes, because yeah, gargoyles. Yeah. So people call them gargoyles, but gargoyles are the ones that have a drain, have water coming through them. Oh, do they? Otherwise, if they yeah, if they don't. Have so a what drain makes them a gargoyle? Sticking, yeah, if it's a gargoyle, it's got a drain pipe sticking out of it. If it hasn't got a drain pipe sticking out of it, it's a grotesque. I did not know that. Oh, yes. man. So, so when I look at you, I think that's a that's a grotesque, not a gargoyle. Oh, okay. You know, that's what I'm saying. Unless you know. I drain something. Unless you actually had a sort of pipe sticking <laughs> out of your mouth. 
Okay. Anyway, it was great. And I, um, Sunday we went, came back and went to an actual wedding. Ah, very good. Which was uh, interesting. You know, that was a full uh, I mean, a real weekend. wedding with, with yeah. lots of people in a marquee. Wow. How was it? Um, it was a bit, it was, it was lovely, but it was a bit sort of, I don't know, shock to the system in a way. Yes, I kind of wasn't yeah. expecting it, and and there it was. Mm. So um, yeah, so interesting wow. weekend. Yeah, that is good. Now listen, talking of weddings, mm. um, we had an email in from Stu. So if I may, I shall move seamlessly on to our feedback. Who says I was at a wedding a month ago, end of July. Uh, a proper wedding with lots of people and got chatting to a guy who recommended your podcast. And he says, I'm very Gosh, pleased. What have you done to upset him? He says, I'm very pleased he did. You also recommended listening from episode one, which is what I'm doing. I'm up to episode 23. So at this rate, I might have caught up in about a year's time. So thank you both for your honesty, humanity and human. You are canny knack of putting your finger on it. And hello to a year older me. Has life got any less complicated? Have you managed to cultivate thankfulness? Have you managed to locate an identity <laughs> independent from your children's own experience and choices? Does Jesus feel more real? Have you managed to rest in his grace rather than just vainly trying harder? I hope so. Oh, thank you, Stu. And I love that you are talking to your future self. But now, curiously, it's in the past. Yeah, but I love that because he yeah. presumably he'll just he'll chance upon this email and whatever, yeah. 150 episodes time or something. Yeah. That's great, isn't it? That's, it that's is a great. real good time capsule way of writing to it, yourself in the future. It is, yeah. So if you've got a message for your older self, just write in to joe at midfaithcrisis.org. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't have to be a year. You might just be a few episodes <laughs> behind. You might just want to write to yourself in like three weeks' time or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it might be just don't forget to put the bins out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's like a reminder. Song. We'll read it out. We're desperate. <laughs> That's great. Oh, okay. Oh, and uh, James, thank you, James, for sending in the little sound link. He, yeah, James said, uh, you know, we were talking about fonts as we do oh, on this podcast. I love now, about fonts. James sent in a clip from a rival podcast, well, another podcast. Um, did you know there were other podcasts? Who knew? Um, mm. <laughs> where the hosts were talking about a mix-up between a dear lady in a church uh, uh, who was getting something printed. And the word font means two different things, as we know. And it was a very, very funny conversation. So thank you, James, for sending that in. If uh, Why why fonts, in typographically speaking, mm. called fonts? Uh, because and why is a means... font called a font? So you, when we talk about font, we often say all oh, of that's in Helvetica font. Yeah, it's not. It's Helvetica type. The font is like the collection of lead uh, type that you would use to 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 do that, really. So uh, okay, I've, I've lost, lost you, interest I? now. I've lost yeah, you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, but it just means like like a fountain or like a pool of uh, things. I think that's right. Okay, thank you, John says. <laughs> Lovely email from John, actually. He said lots of nice things, which obviously we aren't going to say. But he does finish with this. We live in Liverpool and would be interested in closer links with people in the Liverpool, Wirral, South Lancashire area who also find the mid-faith crisis perspectives liberating and refreshing. Happy for you to pass on our contact details to anyone else. Can you see the empire is growing, this is, Nick? This is amazing, isn't it? It We're is turning growing. Into a, it's turning into a kind of dating agency kind of thing. You know? We're <laughs> yeah. turning into... 
we should be putting people together. How are we going to do this? I don't know. But if you are in the Liverpool area, as described above, then uh, do let me know and I will pass on to you John's details. Who'd be interested in setting up a kind of group. So it's good. Um, long live the revolution. Um, thank you. Uh, Ian says this. Uh, so, dear Joe and Nick, thank you so much for last week's podcast, especially the discussion on intercessory prayer. It was very helpful, especially Nick's statement about the podcast. Do you remember you made a statement last week? It felt very I important. Me- I can't remember what it was. Anyway, what, well, it was about was mystery. It? It, I tell you, it was about mystery. And Ian says, mystery does indeed describe so much of our experience in mid-faith crisis. He says, a little story to further illustrate this. My wife, Sheena, and I used a short liturgical prayer in the evening. We wrote it ourselves, working on a monthly cycle. As part of that, we pray for different people every night, usually people we have met or spoken to during the day. I admit that I have become not too concerned about the words or the specific requests. It's usually a case of holding people before God. I'm not even sure what that means, but it is an expression of our care for them, as you put it in the podcast. A few weeks ago, I was part of a discussion at work where someone was sharing their wedding plans. One young woman said, I don't think I'll ever get married. I'm over 30 and don't even have a boyfriend. It was one of those remarks which appears just dropped into conversation, but which obviously expresses a deep, heartfelt feeling and some considerable pain. That evening, we prayed for her. No one could have been more surprised than me when I was back in the factory two weeks later and I overheard her tell others about her new boyfriend. I have no idea or theology or explanation for how this might work, but I do know it encouraged us to believe that something is happening and to keep on praying. We really appreciate your podcast, both the heavy parts and the banter. There is much that is helpful to us, especially when we feel as if we are in a parched and weary land where there is no water, Psalm 63, which is a two common experience these days. And that's from Ian. Um, so that was good, uh, mm. you know, back to mystery again. And, and it is a mystery, isn't it? I mean, there's no getting away from it. You know, just when we think we've gone, oh, no, that's it. Something happens and the whole theology box is exploded as God breaks out of it once again. Well, I I think that's very true. And I think that's one of the things about mystery. I think one of the things that as you perhaps sort of move on in this journey and you, you embrace a bit more mystery is that it brings... I found for me anyway, it brings things back into play that you might previously have rejected mm. because, you know, you, you, you've you got a different sort of theology kind of stuff. Mm. I found it quite challenging. Like, I mean, all right, not to bore you with old churches, but but going around old churches and seeing the beauty of them and particularly the mm. screens, you know, yeah. there. Well, the whole thing about the screen was it separated people from the chancel and this kind of stuff. But... But it was also a kind of picture of heaven. It was kind of a picture of going through the veil, as it were, or the, the temple. Mm. It was all this kind of stuff about the holy place. And so I think there is something actually still to be said for it as well, particularly how beautiful these things yeah. can yeah. be. So I think it it often, for me, when you come to mystery, it sort of brings back theological ideas, it makes me rethink them, actually. Things that yeah. in my upbringing I'd be completely rejected. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, the no, idea I think of place, so. for example. It, yeah. it, 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 I think the mysterious I opens all that up again. Yeah, I was chatting to a friend the other day and we were just saying how we rediscovered the quiet time first thing in the morning and we were just laughing about it because you spend all those <laughs> years don't you, kicking against it. Like, this is yeah. the true measure of a Christian. Do you have a quiet time in the morning and you rebel against that sort of ridiculous notion of reading some nugget of the Bible and praying and doing all that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. But eventually, once you've 
calmed calmed down a bit and had a nice cup of tea it makes perfect sense to start your day off with whatever your practice is contemplation mindfulness you know sacred reading whatever it makes perfect sense to do that first thing in the morning before the day gets going and you start looking at emails and all that sort of nonsense so I think that's a brilliant example. I mean, it's like you had to go away in order to find it, really. It's like coming home I, again. I think you do. I think you do. Listen, if you're still in that angsty stage where I'm not telling you to have a quiet time, everyone, relax, take a chill pill, have a glass of juice or something. <laughs> anyway. No, but it's great, Joe. It's very like what you say about stages of faith. And yeah. that, that final stage of faith is to come. It's often to come back to where you were, but you're seeing them in a whole new and different light and that involves mystery yeah and that's the whole hero's journey thing isn't it you do this journey you go away you adventure you face the darkness you face your hidden demons you do all that stuff but eventually the whole the whole idea is to come back home different changed yeah yeah mm. great okay good right so to matt and matt says this hi joe and nick still loving your show incredible he's only listened to one <laughs> yeah, yeah, love that show. Yeah, he didn't specify you. Good point. Yeah, he says, yeah. I think we can overthink prayer. It's something we do naturally, even atheists. Let's say, for example, a friend has some devastating news. They've been diagnosed with cancer or their marriage is over or their child has a life threatening condition. Immediately, your heart fills with compassion and you rush to help them. You offer all the practical aid you can, cooking meals, going with them to chemotherapy, listening to their rage and despair, being a shoulder to cry on. You give everything you have, but there comes a point when practically you can't do any more. At that point, you don't stop thinking about them and say, I've done enough. You continue to carry them, holding them in your thoughts and in your heart. You hold them with love and, if you can, hope. This, for me, is prayer. Everyone does this. They might not say I'm praying for you. They say I'm thinking of you or sending you love or good vibes or whatever. I don't believe it's any less prayer because it isn't formally addressed to God or said in Jesus name. He said the Quakers don't do intercessory prayer. They talk of holding people in the light. The idea is not to plead with God or bargain with him or badger him to do something. Rather, you hold someone in his presence, allowing him to act or not, not having an aim or a target or a result in mind that might be measurable in some way, simply holding them in the light so that love and goodness can be at work. And that's with love for Matt. Thanks, Matt. That's great, isn't it? I think that's great, isn't it? I love yeah. that idea of holding people in the light. Um, as it reminds me of what we, the discussion last week on um, Thy Will Be Done. Yeah. Um, because actually it seems to me, I don't know, just a slightly more positive way of thinking about that i don't know to me thy will be done is is good but it, it sometimes it can be like well you do what you're going to do you know it's almost fatalistic kind of stuff yes yeah whereas holding people in the light seems a very good thing to do without defining what that might mean for them isn't it it's it's, it's just holding paradoxes opposites together you know is god transcendent or is god imminent yes god is you know and is is you know does intercessory prayer work in an interventional way or is it doing something else the answer is yes somehow you've just got to be comfortable with that whole mm. yep and no together mm. in mm. one answer but it, it takes a while a bit of practice i'd say <laughs> um shall we move on yeah Can yeah I move sure. on? okay so sarah says this says hi joe we've listened to the latest podcast on prayer and we found these peas 
from 24-7 prayer website has been really useful when confronted with overwhelming situations. Didn't you threaten to talk about some a sermon with all beginning with the same letter last week? I thought oh, we did. <laughs> I think we were, anyway. we were heading that direction. So Sarah sent a link uh, to the 24-7 prayer website, which is, is great, as you would expect. Uh, but before we move on to that, Sarah did say looking forward to seeing you down our way in October, which is great. We're looking forward to seeing you too, Sarah. Um, so here's the three P's. I'm already suspicious because it seems a bit like six P's to me. But anyway, I don't want to I don't want to nitpick. Um, oh, so okay. so here's here's the here's the three P's guide to intercessory prayer. Uh, one people afflicted. So it's the P of people, obviously. Right. We, ask, okay, we yeah. ask God to comfort those who suddenly find their lives torn apart by grief, loss, fear and trauma. Two, pastors and priests. But that's only one P in their kind of, you know, thing. We ask that's God two, to... isn't it? Well, I thought that, but, you know, let's not lose... You know, there's some good stuff, so... Okay, so we ask God to give courage to church leaders seeking to bring Christ's presence and hope in the midst of trauma and profound questions of pain. And three... Peacemakers, politicians and police. Don't say it. Uh, we ask God to give clarity and wisdom to government agencies and NGOs, blessing and supporting their efforts to bring justice, reconciliation and aid. So there we are. Uh, there's 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 a 24-7 uh, well, power really good, prayer. Power prayer, I'd call yeah. it. Because just to emphasize. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's two more P's. <laughs> I know. It's, a, it's literally a P frenzy. It is, because actually if you take the... Uh, or the if you take the initial letter of all those things, people afflicted, pastors and oh. priests, peace, oh. pol- um, peacemakers, politicians yeah. and police, it gets as good alliteration. Thank you. Anyway, the point is, you know, thanks, Sarah. Thank you. Enough. Stop it. Okay. Sarah, thank you for sending that in. The point is, it is actually, as we were saying last week, when you don't know how to pray and, you know, what to pray and everything, it is quite helpful that there are these resources out there. So 247prayer.com might be a place to go if uh, you want help with that kind of thing. Yeah, that um, was a really good um, Yes, outline, thank you. I think. Yes, exactly. And, uh, and Tom uh, says this. Uh, he says, I really enjoyed your last podcast on prayer and an interventionist God. I was really helped with the mis- with this mystery by Terence Teeson and his book Providence and Prayer. I- oh, more P's. I know, there's a big P We've got thing. all the P's this week. <laughs> we have a P, please, Bob. Anyway. <laughs> it's a P-fest. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Google that, listeners. Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> he says, in it he outlines eleven. <laughs> Shush. In it he outlines eleven schools of thought throughout Christian history on how providence, how God orders the events of the world, if at all, intersects with petitionary prayer. See attached chart. Now you can't see the attached chart, listeners, but it was awfully good. I thought. Anyway, uh, he does a wonderful job of describing each model fairly, but the genius of the book is the case study he weaves throughout it. He tells a fictional story of a father whose missionary son has been taken hostage overseas. The man brings his crisis to his church's weekly prayer meeting, which is coincidentally made up of 11 people who each believe in a different model of providence. 
At the end of each chapter, Thiessen describes how the person holding to that model would pray for the situation. He also briefly summarises each model at the start of each chapter, so you can skip all the bits in the middle of each chapter, which he tells the story of how it arose and objections to that position. Anyway, the book didn't clear up the mystery for me, but at least I now know why I don't believe what I don't believe. I suppose I'm confused at a higher level. Uh, blessings Tom so there you are Providence and Prayer by Terence Teeson if you want various different angles on petitionary prayer great I love I love the idea of being confused at a higher level that is uh, good I wonder whether we've risen to that again again a little marketing line for the podcast (laughs) confused at a higher level (laughs) that's great It does. It's it's a slightly superior form of confusion. Yes, exactly. It's it's a bit like the statement last week. I mean, we talk about mystery. It's just being confused at a higher level, really. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So thank you to everyone who wrote in. And please do keep writing in. Thanks to all of you so much. And if you know, if you do want to contribute to the Nick and Joe Pension Fund, (laughs) as it's now known... (laughs) Do you write um. So, listen, I've got a story I want to share with you. And oh, okay, uh, go on. Yeah, yeah, no, this is great. This, I have been, I, I read this story about 10 days ago and I cannot get it out of my head and I'm boring people telling them about it everywhere and I thought it was time to uh, inflict it on the listeners. So apologies to anyone who's read Darren Brown's book, Happy, why more or less everything is absolutely fine because I got the story from there. And uh, this is a story of uh, a kind of experiment that was run by someone called Carice Nixon at Penn State Erie University. And uh, basically, it's a a test on how kind of negative storytelling can take root within five minutes. So, you know, we've been talking a little bit about stories and how important. I know we're going to do a Genesis episode in a few weeks time or maybe next week. Who can really be sure when it's coming? Um, But, um, you know, just the power of story and the power of believing right stories. Um, But the truth is, as any psychoanalyst will tell you, we believe all kinds of stories and they're just not true. But we believe them so deeply stories about ourselves, stories by which we live our lives and we view ourselves, they simply aren't true. But the staggering thing about this is how quickly those stories uh, can form. So uh, to sort of illustrate this principle, the uh, a term that people often call learned helplessness, they devised this test. And so it's a test uh, with uh, anagrams. So, you know, anagram is uh, rearranging the letters of one word to make another word. So mm-hmm. um, the idea is that we're going to give you a series of words and you can play along, listeners, uh, as you're listening to the podcast. Uh, I'm going to give you about five seconds or so to to solve the anagram. If you don't solve it, don't worry, we'll move on to the next one. There's only going to be three. You've got about five seconds um, so we'll kind of replicate this um, this experiment on the podcast, okay. which is all rather thrilling, don't you think? Yeah, so I, I'm a gog. Well, here we go. So anagrams, people. Here it comes. I'll only give you five seconds. So the first word is whirl. W-H-I-R-L. Give yourself a few seconds. Did you get it? Great. 
so here's another one to unscramble again just five seconds and it's uh, slapstick slapstick so oh, gosh you know is it easier is it perhaps a bit more difficult than the last one five seconds we're not going to over egg this i mean come on people haven't got the time and then here's the last word okay so the last word is cinerama c-i-n-e-r-a-m-a -A. cinerama maybe that's one of the easy ones i don't know okay how many did you solve out of three what, so me? <laughs> yeah how I many did you do none <laughs> excellent Okay. I'm not very good at anagrams. <laughs> well, look. So here's here's what happened in the classroom situation. Um, everyone on our half of the room got those words. Everyone on the other half of the room, got the first word they got was um, bat, B-A-T. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the second word they were given was uh, lemon, L-E-M-O-N. Right. Okay, could do those. Uh, and the third word they got was Cinerama. And to make it worse, what she said to people was, "Just put your hand up when you've sold when you've solved it." Now, here's the truth: whirl right. and slapstick are not anagrams. It is impossible to make. <laughs> it's impossible ah, to okay. make a word out of that. Another word of the same number of letters out of those words. They they are unsolvable. But you can imagine what it's like to be given that. And then someone else is given, you know, tab on the other side of the room. And they get bat or melon and they get lemon. They, they get yeah. it more or less straight. So they put their hands up straight away. Hmm. And the third word, um, cinerama, if you ever wrote it down. So C-I-N-E-R-A-M-A, cinerama, hmm. actually can be unscrambled fairly easily. Uh, it forms the word American. But here's the thing. Um, the people who were given the words bat and, you know, lemon or melon. Yeah, yeah. Um, they got they got Cinerama. They, they got that it was right. American. Straight away. So, so they put their hands up. They all got it. But on the other side of the classroom, after two failed attempts, after just two failed attempts... In 10 seconds, they had decided this is too hard and, it, and, and I can't do it. And I'm rubbish at anagrams. And so they didn't unscramble Cinerama, even though it can be quite easily unscrambled. And they used this experiment to illustrate how we can just after, sometimes after one event, but after two events even, we can decide that's it. So, I mean, a classic illustration with this would be like, I can't, I can't draw. I can't paint. I'm yeah. no good at art. I'm no good at, you know, filling the missing word here because maybe once or twice, you know, you just decided it was too hard or a negative bit of feedback or something like that. And of course, you know, a whole load of this comes down on parents, but we won't go there for now. But um, and actually it starts this belief system off that for the rest of your life you're reinforcing. And I think this has, I mean, I just thought that this has huge impacts for spiritual stories we believe in ourselves. And we could, you know, we could go back to the whole, um, you know, where does Genesis start? Genesis starts with a story about creation being good, not without it being all messed up and spoiled. But we often start mm. our stories with that, yeah, that cute little baby thing is, you know, born totally deprived, or depraved rather, and uh, in need of forgiveness of sin. You know, and that's a very different story 
and the narratives that grow out of these things are huge and have huge consequences for us um and i just think so much of i suppose to me you know the the mid-faith thing and 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 growing on in faith is about addressing these stories that we believe about ourselves many of which we don't even know what we believe you know that's the self-examination isn't it to really try and discover some of the stories we believe about who we are and you know how attractive we are or how capable we are or you know fill in the blanks you know there's there's so many and mm. many of which just radically aren't true so mm. you know and i've said this before you know about sermons and everything you you can tell people a million times week after week after week god loves you but actually if they've got a faulty story system playing in their head won't make the slightest bit of impact they will fundamentally believe god loves everybody else but not them mm. Mm. Well, interesting. I I think the term is learned helplessness. Yes. Right? Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. About this. Um. I suppose I came. I first came. I didn't. I don't know this story at all. But I came across that kind of idea a few years ago, and I was thinking about sin, and mm. writing about um, sin because a lot of psychiatrists, if they're trying to help people, or psychologists, if they're trying to help people out of bad habits. They have to unpick that story to start with, the story that mm. I can never succeed. Yeah. You know, that, I, that I, I'm just a failure. Mm. Uh, and that, and that the way to do that is, in fact, to start with something small. Start with a small mm. thing that you can succeed at. So you gradually kind of start mm. to roll back that story. Yes. But you can't do it quickly. You have to mm. do it in tiny things. But, but I think it's a very powerful story because if you're... If you're sitting on one side, on the wrong side of the room, as it were, and you yeah. can just see people succeeding, yeah, on the other side, yeah, yeah, people who seem to have all the answers and you don't have all the answers, yeah, you can't wow. unpick the the theological yeah. anagram. Yeah. You can't yeah. work it out at all. No, and you just start to feel more and more helpless. You and, and so even even something that is solvable might seem absolutely yeah. overwhelming to you because you've been forced yeah. into this position really yeah um, and you and you combine that with the loneliness you feel and the isolation if you continue mm. with questioning mm. yeah it's it's, mm. it's a perfect storm isn't it so we will hold that illustration in our hearts i think as we talk about genesis and actually as we talk about anything from the bible as we go on because i think there's a right way to believe and understand these stories and definitely a, a way that if we're not careful can reinforce really unhelpful stuff about who we are so i'm interested in why this story though resonates so strongly with you why is it why is it you said it, you've read it a couple of weeks yeah. ago and oh and i can't it's really it. sat with you why do you yeah. think that is i think i think personally for narratives about myself that i've believed my whole life but also i think just you know you've only got to do pastoral ministry for a couple of years let alone 25 or 30 mm. years or whatever it it was mm. you know to to see how false narratives people hold about themselves you know are so damaging and just destroy yeah. them and you know at first it can feel like well don't you get god loves you no of course they don't get god loves them because they believe a whole host of stuff about themselves it just isn't true and it mm. probably started in their childhood and it takes time 
and careful attention. It doesn't take sermons. I mean, I'm sure there is a role for sermons and, you know, you know, the spoken word and preaching over people and all that sort of thing. But but actually it takes time and care and real empathy and understanding and skill to help people gently challenge those deep mm. narratives about mm. who they are. Mm. I, don't, I don't know a group way of doing that, really. I, th- I think it's, you know, as we said about discipleship, it's a bit of a bespoke thing, isn't it? You can't really, you can't really group do it because what one person needs to do is exactly what another person needs not to do. And it certainly can't start until you've actually heard their stories. That's the thing. Yeah. Until you actually listen yeah. to people yeah. and hear the story that they are telling themselves you know they'll say it to you but 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 sometimes they can't they sometimes they don't even know that story either do they no no i don't think they're not aware of it no you can pick it up very quickly from them you know from listening to the way they talk about themselves or yeah um i i i I meet so many people with the work and various other things and and um they're always apologizing for having an opinion (laughs) they're always always saying i'm sorry but i don't think this or i'm sorry this or that and I'm thinking, yeah. why are you sorry about this? What? What's? Yeah, yeah. What's, you why know, doesn't your opinion, your opinion matter? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and exactly. there's the, there's a subtle thing going on there about status and about how I'm, I don't matter, which they probably wouldn't vocalise to themselves no. in those terms. But actually, it, it's true. It's what that's it, what they're saying. Yeah, and it's it's too scary. I mean, in most contexts, I mean, it's too scary to say. Do you know? What? I'm afraid that I'm odd unlovable strange and that no one really cares about me or could mm. care or could care about me i mean you, you got to know someone pretty well before you start letting those inner beliefs out haven't you yeah, yeah, <laughs> i mean it's yeah, not exactly yeah. you know dinner time conversation <laughs> with most people no. so yeah you need a very safe environment to work with and you've got to be you've got to want to do it but i mean mm. my experience is that you know, the journey through questioning and everything. And, you know, you do question everything, faith and who you are and the whole the whole thing. And I often think, you know, counselling goes hand in hand with mid-faith crisis, you know, as does, um, you know, de- depression sometimes and or very low moods and all that sort of thing. But I think if you can stay patient with the journey and keep going, y- you will you will get a whole different perspective on life, on God, mm. on who you are, on your place in the world, on all those things. Um, yeah. Well, there we are. I think that's a very good place to end it. And you yeah. ended it, may I say, with two more Ps. Patience uh-huh. and perspective. Thank you. This podcast has been brought to you by the letter P. It's a P. Exactly. We've drifted <laughs> into Sesame Street. We have. <laughs> It's a life goal. Brilliant. <laughs> well, well, thank you for listening. Uh, yeah, this podcast has been brought to you by Big Bird Joe Davis and by <laughs> Nick, Nick the Grouch. Uh, uh, if you'd like to get in touch with the podcast, how would you do that, Joe? Well, I would say the best starting place is to get onto your email machine and type in joe at midfaithcrisis.org. <laughs> And send in a note. <laughs> I've got to get me one of those email machines. Yeah! <laughs> uh, thank you to everyone who supports our pension scheme and the podcast. If you'd like to if you'd like to top up the pitiful amounts we, we have to live on. Uh, 
you could do so at the website uh, midfaithcrisis.org and uh, there's ways to give on there and thank you very much for those who support you thanks to everyone who listens and downloads and uh, contributes yeah. we really appreciate it and we'd like to hear from you we will be back next week for uh, I suppose yet more confusion at an even mm. higher level exactly